122, Standing on the Promises, page 122, get your book, 122. Ladies, give us a little bit more longer introduction, they're still turning pages, all right? Kim's got his shoes off, he can't pound, he's up to 20. All right, 122. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let His praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God my Savior. Standing on the promises that cannot fail When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail By the living word of God I shall prevail Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God my Savior Good to see everyone. Take a few moments and get out of your seat and shake hands and fellowship and introduce yourself to someone. I cannot hold, listening every moment to the Spirit's call. Press 
trusting in my Savior as my all in all, standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Good to see everyone tonight. We want to go to the Lord in prayer and ask the Lord to bless the services here. And of course, the teenagers are back in the back, the junior high back there, Awana across the street. So let's go to the Lord and ask Him to bless everything. Ask the Lord to bless our pastor. He is away preaching in High Point, North Carolina. Uh, I forget the name of the church, but it's on your sheet. It's um, that's where the preacher is. He's preaching this week, and uh, he's finishing up tonight. So we want to pray for him. And they're in their services right now. And so let's remember all these things. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I ask Brother Ammons if you would to lead us in prayer. Amen. Continue singing. We'll continue standing. We'll continue singing. <laughs> Page 341 as you're continuing to stand. All right, 341. All right.
the ushers to come at this time if they would we'll take up the regular Wednesday evening offering as you know everything that we receive on Wednesday nights goes to help pay for our Bible conference in the fall and so you be faithful in your giving tonight and as they're getting in their place just a couple things to remind you of this Saturday is the annual pig picking a very good time the believers class puts on every year and we've been able to go up and have a good good time of fellowship and excellent food it is just wonderful if you've never been you owe it to yourself you need to go and uh I was talking to Buddy earlier tonight. I've got something Saturday night over at school, and I'm trying to get out of it, actually, because I just soon go to the pig picking. Uh, but it is a good time, so don't forget about that Saturday. And then I was asked to announce about it. There's a benefit concert going to be held uh, also Saturday, May the 6th at 6 p.m. You've heard uh, Sister Sharon. She's made, the prayer, made a prayer request for a lady that she used to work with at Walmart named Robin Presley. She's had cancer. She passed away this past Saturday. And she's had cancer for a number of years, three years or so, and there's been uh, medical bills piling up and insurance is paid as much as they're going to pay, and now it's going to the family. And so this Saturday at 6 o'clock at the Gospel Tabernacle Assemblies of God, they're going to have a benefit, benefit sing. Brother David Knight's going to be there. He's going to be singing. Young Harmony's going to be there, Three for Thee, and several others are going to be there. So it should be a good, good night, and it certainly goes to a good cause. So if you get home from the pig picking in time, just go, if you want to, go right over to that church. And I know that'll be a good time for you. So we want to make mention of that. I know that will be a beneficial thing for that family. They'd appreciate it very, very much. But let's go to the Lord in prayer and let's ask him to bless the offering this evening. <clears throat> Father, we do thank you for this evening. We thank you for the privilege to be able to come to your house. We thank you for your love and for your grace and, and for all the good things that you do for us. We just want to pause and say that we love you. Father, we ask that you'll just meet with us here tonight, meet with us in this service, and we pray now that you'll just bless this offering and use it for the furtherment of your kingdom, and we'll thank you and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
what a privilege it is for us as God's children to be able to call on the name of Jesus and no other name is so sweet and so precious as his name in our times of troubles, our times of needs. And I heard this song just a few months ago and I haven't sung it yet, but I like what it has to say. It's one of the Roof's songs. It's called Every Time I Speak His Name.
Amen. I appreciate that song, don't you? That name. I love that name. There's power in that name. Praise the Lord. Find your place, if you would, in the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus, chapter number 15. Exodus chapter 15. And as you find your place, I do have one other announcement to remind you of. Also this Saturday, there is a baby shower for Miss Celeste Ammons Moore. And so that'll be from 2 to 4 o'clock this coming Saturday. And where is that? Is that in the fellowship hall? Or in the fellowship hall. Okay, so that's this Saturday from 2 to 4 for Celeste. So don't forget about that. Exodus chapter number 15. And if you found your place, if you would stand to your feet out of respect for the Word of God as we read it publicly, I want to begin reading verse number 22. I want to read down through the end of the chapter. And as the Lord allows tonight, I'd like to bring a message entitled, Turning Bitterness into Blessing. Turning Bitterness into Blessing. Let's begin reading in verse number 22. Exodus 15, verse 22. The Bible says, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness to Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he, Moses, cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them, and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. Verse number 27, And they came to Elam, where were twelve wells of water, and threescore and ten palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters. You may be seated, and let's go to the Lord in prayer. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we do thank you for that wonderful, wonderful name of Jesus Christ our Lord. We are so thankful for his reality in our lives on a daily basis. Thank you for his death on the cross that made it possible for us to be saved and, and for his continuing realness in our hearts every day. Just thank you so much for Jesus. We love you today. And Father, we ask that you'll just take this time now as we look into your word, as we look at this particular story. Lord, I pray that you'll just help us as we look at it and study it. I pray that you will teach us through your word tonight. I pray that you would speak through me tonight. Lord, may I get completely out of the way, and I pray that you would speak the message that you have given for this hour. And Father, we'll thank you and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, most of you, I'm sure, are familiar with this story, and you see it a lot at Christmas. The, the Christmas story is called A Christmas Carol. Now, if you're familiar with the story, you know that the main character in this story is a man by the name, a bitter old man by the name of Ebenezer Scrooge. And if you remember the story, you remember that through much of the story, Scrooge is just a real downer. He's just a real unlikable fellow, kind of guy you just don't want to be around at all. But by the end of the story, Scrooge, he begins to realize, and he realizes the true meaning of Christmas, and he has a change of heart, and he becomes a totally changed man. And then you have a man who once lived in the desert of bitterness, now enjoying a river of blessing. Well, the story that's before us tonight is a strange but a very wonderful story found in the Old Testament. And it tells us about how God can take the bitter experiences of life and he can change them and he can literally turn them into showers of blessing. 
Now, before we look into the story, let me just give you a little bit of context, bring you up to where we are here in, in verses 23 through 27. <clears throat> In the context, it's a very happy time for the children of Israel. If you read just even the first few verses of chapter 15, you find out that the children of Israel had just been brought through the Red Sea. They walked across the Red, they walked across there on dry ground. They reached the other side in victory, and at, at the same time, God destroys their enemies. God destroys the Egyptian army. Well, now they're on the other side of the river, on the other side of the sea. They began to march toward the Promised Land. They marched for three days' journey. And for three days, they don't come upon any water. Now, I remind you that there's about anywhere between two and three million people, all their herds and the cattle and all the livestock that they have, two to three million people, all of these people going through the wilderness for three days, and they find no water. Now, you can probably imagine that it's getting kind of serious. They need to get to some water. Well, finally, after three days, they're searching and searching, trying to find water. Finally, they spot an oasis out in, out in front of them, and they all, like a, like a stampeding herd of cattle, go rushing after that oasis. They dip their lips down into that water. They take a sip of that water, and immediately begin to gag. They begin to spit, and, and all these different th kind of things because the water is bitter. Now, I think from this passage, and I've enjoyed thinking about this passage and studying this passage this week, we can learn some truths that will help us from this passage when we come to the bitter times in our life. We learn, how God can turn, we learn how God can turn our bitterness into blessing, just like He did for these people many, many years ago. Now, there's three truths that I want to set before you this evening, and I trust and I pray that they will be a blessing to you. Again, I've, I've really enjoyed it. It's been a blessing to me this week. But three truths I want to set before you this evening. The first thing that I want us to think about, number one, I want us to think about the unfailing providence of God. The unfailing providence of God. Our God is a providential God. Now what that means is there's nothing that takes place in your life. There's nothing that takes place in my life. There's nothing that takes place in this church or around the globe or in the universe. Nothing takes place without God knowing about it, without God allowing it. And what the, in a nutshell, God is in complete and total control. And in the passage we have before us tonight, we see, we see the children of Israel, we see God's chosen people in the wilderness, and they're at a bitter place. Now, I want you to think about a couple things as we think about God's providence, the unfailing providence of God. First of all, I want you to think about the reality of bitter experiences. The reality of bitter experiences. The Spanish have a proverb that says, there's no home without its hush. And what that simply means is that at some point in your life and in my life, sooner or later, all of us, we're going to know sorrow. We're no, going to know difficulty. We're going to know heartache. We're going to come to those times and we're going to come to those places of bitterness, just like these children of Israel did. Now, up until now, as I said a moment ago, up until now, the children of Israel, they've been, everything's been going great for them. God's been taking care of them. God took care of their enemies. God took care of the Red Sea. They walked across it. Everything's been taken, taken care uh, for them. They had not known heartache. They didn't know heartache, hardships, or hard times. Those things, God had handed everything to them on a silver platter, and they had eaten it with a silver spoon. God had just been taking care of them. Every day there had been all sunshine and no rain, all warmth and no cold. But now, all of a sudden, the children of Israel find themselves in a bitter place. I'm reminded that our lives, in many ways, are just like that. At any moment, out of nowhere, we can find our place, ourselves at a bitter place. 
We find ourselves in the middle of some experience that we didn't even see it coming. Just all of a sudden, bam, hardship, trial, bitterness. Some bitter experience comes upon us that we didn't even see it coming. That's the reality of bitter experiences. They're going to happen for you. They're going to happen for me, just like they happened for the children of Israel right here in Exodus 15. But I not only want you to see, think about the reality of the bitter experience, but number two, the reason for the bitter experience. It's important for us to realize why the children of Israel were at this place. It's important for us to remember why they were there. Now, many people will tell you that when you come to the place in your life, when you come to that bitter experience, when you come to those hardships, when you come to those difficult times, they'll tell you that you must have done something wrong. You must have taken a wrong turn at Albuquerque. You've missed God. You've sinned somewhere along the way, or this, this thing would have never happened to you. Now, these things, these are all possibilities. They're possibilities. If you get out of the will of God, if you, if you forsake God and you start down your own path, it will not be long, I promise you, you'll find yourself at the bitter place. I think about a story that I read about a little boy. He, him and his buddy went to school every day, and they ate lunch every day. And they sat down for lunch one day, and each one of them opened up their lunchbox. The first boy opened up. He said, man, peanut butter sandwiches. I don't like peanut butter sandwiches. And he looked over in his buddy's lunchbox and it looked real good over there, but he ate his peanut butter and jelly sandwich. The next day comes along. They sit down for lunch. He opens up his lunchbox again. He goes, man, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches again. And he looks over at his buddy's lunch and, oh, it really looks good. So, but he eats his peanut butter and jelly sandwich anyway. It's there. And the third day comes along. He opens up his lunch pail again. And he says, man, I can't believe it. Peanut butter and jelly again. And his buddy finally says, man, why don't you just tell your mom to, to not pack you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, to fix you something else? And he said, hey, don't talk about my mom that way. I pack my own lunch. <laughs> well, it reminds me that many times in our lives that we are in, with the, the experiences that we face, the trials and troubles that we face are of our own making. Sometimes the waters that we drink from is from a well that we ourselves have dug. But I think about in this case, that's not the case with the children of Israel here. I want you to see the reason why they were in the wilderness. The reason why they were at this bitter place is because God led them there. God led them to this particular place. Look at verse number 13. Look at verse number 13 in Exodus chapter 15. Verse 13 says, Thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed, for thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. Do you see that? It was God that led his children into the wilderness and right straight to that bitter, those bitter waters. God led them there. Now, does that surprise you? I hope that doesn't surprise you. Peter told us, he said, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials that will try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. The truth is that every single one of us, we will come to the place of bitterness. Henry Longfellow, he was right when he wrote, Into each life some rain must fall, some days must be dark and dreary. The fact that you're a Christian, the fact that I'm born again and you're born again, that does not exempt us from these bitter experiences of life. I think of what Jesus said in John 16, 33. He said, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you may have peace. Then he went on to say, In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. The brutal truth in life is this. You might be walking on the water today, but tomorrow you may be wandering in the wilderness. And that may be exactly where God himself leads you. It may be God that leads you to this place. That is the unfailing providence 
of God. And it's important to remember that when you find yourself in the bitter experiences of life, examine yourself. Is it because of something that you've done in your life? But if you've been following God like these children had, and God leads you to that bitter place, it's the unfailing providence of God. But there's a second thing that I want to bring to your attention. Not only the unfailing providence of God, but number two, the unknown purpose of God. The unknown purpose of God. Look at verse number 25, the last little, little further than halfway through the verse, of verse number 25. It says, There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. See that word proved? It means test. God brought them there to test them. It was God that led them into the wilderness. It was God that led them to this bitter place, and he did it for a reason. He wanted to prove them. He wanted to test them. I want you to think about a couple of things. First of all, the reason for the test. The reason for the test. God was giving them a test, a college-level examination to reveal their heart and reveal where they were spiritually. I want you to remember that every bitter experience in life, every trial and every trouble that you face, every tribulation that comes into your life, God has it there for a reason, and God may be trying to test you. God uses these experiences in our life to test our focus, to test our faith, and to test our faithfulness. I think about the children of Israel. One of the most difficult times in their history was the 40 years that they traveled in the wilderness. One of the most difficult periods in the history of the nation of Israel was these 40 years that they traveled in the wilderness. And do you know what one of the reasons why they were in the wilderness? Now, I know you know the main reason. The main reason was when they went to view the land, they sent the 12 spies into the land. You remember the story? Ten of them come back and said, no, 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 we can't go in there. There's giants in there. And God sent them into the wilderness for 40 years. But there's another reason why God had them in the wilderness. And it's found in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. You can turn to it if you'd like. But I'll read it to you. Deuteronomy 8, 2 says, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. Why? To humble thee and to prove thee. There's that word prove again. To test thee. About what? To know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. God was bringing them to this place in their life to test them, to prove them, to give them a test. You remember high school and elementary school or whatever, college, you remember taking tests? I hated taking tests. I never did like taking a test, never did like studying for a test. Now, God is a teacher also, and God gives tests, but God is like no other teacher you'll ever have. Been through school, and most teachers, there's teachers here, there's a lot of teachers that are members here at Temple. And if you teach like everybody else, you go through a week or two weeks or several weeks of giving a lesson, and then you'll give a test. And that's the way most everybody does it. But God is just the opposite. See, God gives the test, and then you learn the lesson. And that's exactly what God was doing in the life of these, in these children of Israel. See, God knows that a faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. So God was testing their faith. That is the reason for their test. I think about one of the, one of the most dangerous professions that, that, there, that there is, probably, and it requires some of the most bravest people, is that of a test pilot. A test pilot has to, they, they make these airplanes, maybe a new airplane or whatever, and they haven't been tested. They use a simulator or whatever to try to get everything down just pat. But somebody's got to take that plane out and test it. It's never been into the air yet. And that test pilot gets into that plane, and he takes that plane up into the air, and he takes that plane through some of the most difficult maneuvers possible. And he's doing it to make sure that that plane 
will hold up under the specifications and under the most, most dire of circumstances. Well, may I say that God takes our life just like an airplane and He takes us through some of the most difficult times. He takes us through some of the most difficult places. He takes us into the thund thunderstorms. He takes us into the fierce winds and He does it to see if we will stand up under the pressure. And that's exactly what the circumstances of life do. It the circumstances of life will reveal your character and they will reveal my character. That's why I kind of like, I enjoy watching other people and I'm very careful, try to be very careful myself. When you're going through those times, when things aren't going right. If you, had, if you had one of those days, just nothing is going right. Or maybe one of those weeks, one of those decades, whatever, where just nothing is going right. Well, I like to watch people sometimes, and I try to be very careful myself because how we act in those difficult situations reveals our character. And when I watch somebody else and they're going through those difficult times and that, and that difficult thing where th things aren't going right, and I watch how they react, that tells me what kind of person they are. That tests them and that proves them. It reveals their character. And that's what God was doing to the children of Israel here. He brought them to this place to reveal their character. Well, that leads me to the second thing. Not only the reason for their test, but number two, the result of the test. How did they do? God was giving them a test. Well, how did the children of Israel do on their test? You see, when the bitter experiences come to your life and come into my life, one of two things will happen. And I know this is a cliche, but it is true. When you go into the bitter experiences of life, one of two things are, will happen. You will either come, become bitter or you will become better. Cliche, yes. Truthful, yes. And I think about the children of Israel here and how they did on their test. Well, the children of Israel, they failed the test and they failed it miserably. For first of all, they criticized their leader. Look at verse number 24. Children, they find themselves in this place in verse number 24. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Now, when you read that verse and you read those words that they murmured against Moses, it wasn't like that they were standing, two or three of them were getting together and they were whispering back and forth saying, What are we going to drink? What are we going to There were two to three million people rising up in arms, all in one voice, pointing their finger at Moses, shaking their fist in the face of Moses, saying, Moses, are you stupid? Moses, look where we're at. Look where you've led us. There's no water. There's nothing to drink. And we're going to die. Criticizing Moses, they rise up and they criticize Moses. Now, I want you to think about the picture here. Again, think about the context. Just three days prior, and if you read the, the chapter, just three days ago, in three days' time, Moses goes from hero to zero. Three days earlier, they had just come through the, the, the Red Sea, and God had delivered them. They've won this great victory. They get to the other side. Their enemies are all dead, and they pick up Moses, and I can almost see him putting Moses on, the, on their shoulder, praising Moses, hip, hip, hooray, uh, and all the songs singing out to Moses. Yay, Moses, good, look how well, great Moses is. And then they began to praise God and thank God for the victory that God had won for them, and, and majestic is his name. Glory be the name of the Lord. And now three days later, not three weeks later, not three months later, not three years later, three days later, they're grumbling, they're criticizing, they're complaining, they're rising up and finding fault in the life of Moses. Now can you imagine being, can you imagine being the leader of two to three million people and have all of them rising up, pointing their finger in your face, criticizing you for your leadership abilities or, or lack thereof, whatever the case may be, and especially... And you think about Moses, what had Moses been doing up to this time? Moses had simply been following God. 
There was the pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. Moses was following God. He was under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And God led him to this place. And here they are criticizing Moses for what, for what was going on. But Moses saw penetratingly right through that thing. Look in uh, Exodus chapter 16, verses 7 and 8. In my Bible, just right across the page. Exodus 16, look at verse number 7. And in the morning, then ye shall see the glory of the Lord, for that he heareth your murmurings, who? Against who? Against the Lord. And what are we that ye murmur against us? Verse 8. And Moses says, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings which you murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. You see, the children of Israel, they were rising up and they were criticizing their leader, but Moses knew that really they were criticizing their Lord. They were criticizing God for the, for the case and for the shape that they were in. Now, you know what this is telling us? You know what this is telling me? When I complain, when I gripe and complain about the experiences of life, when I gripe and complain and I grumble about what's going on in my life, I may grumble about this or that. I may grumble about Lisa. I may grumble about the preacher. I may grumble about something or another in the neighborhood. Grumble against this person and that person. But you know what we're really doing? We're grumbling against the Lord. We're grumbling against God because God by His providence has put us in that very shape and put us in that very condition. The lesson that God is showing us is that when we grumble and when we complain, we're not grumbling against what's going on. We're ultimately grumbling against the Lord who has led us into those circumstances. You see, the real problem for the children of Israel here was not the drought. It was their doubt. Their real problem was not the lack of water. Their real problem was their lack of faith. You know, many times, and you might be thinking, and I thought about this as I, I looked at myself, and I try to examine myself every time I preach. I look at myself and I say, okay, what's this saying to Brian? And many times we think about complaining and murmuring. We think, you know, that's not that big of a deal. Everybody grumbles. Everybody complains. Everybody fusses about things that's going on in their life. It's, it's really not that big of a deal. If you feel that way, turn your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Corinthians. Even if you don't feel that way, turn your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. I want you to notice what God thinks about murmuring and grumbling and complaining. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. We'll begin in verse number 1. I'll read verses 1 and 2, then we'll skip down through the chapter. But in verse number 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul speaking, he says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers who were under the cloud... And all passed through the sea, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Now what you need to see here is that Paul here, he's talking about the exact thing, our, our passage of Scripture, that this period of time when the children of Israel were, were wandering around in the wilderness, the very thing that we're looking at tonight. And this is what Paul's talking about. Skip down to verse number 6. Now these things were our examples, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written. Now, you remember in history, you remember the children of Israel when they made the golden calf and they all worshipped that thing and they, they were guilty of the sin of idolatry. You remember that and you think, idolatry, yes, that's a terrible thing. I would never create some kind of idol. I would never do something like that. Okay, good. Well, let's go on to verse number 8. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. 
talking again about a period of time when the children of Israel were all there dancing around the idols. They all took their clothes off and they got involved in some of the most grotesque sins and they committed the sin of fornication and God slew 23,000 of them that day. And you think, fornication, absolutely. That's a horrible sin. That's a terrible thing. All right, verse number 9. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of the serpents. And what he's talking about here is the time when the children of Israel blasphemed God. And God sent the serpents into the camp to bite them and to slay them. And you think, blaspheming God. Now, I would never blaspheme God. What a horrible, horrible sin. This is what I want you to get to. Look at verse number 10. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. You see, God has put murmuring and complaining and griping. He's ranked it equal with the sin of idolatry, the sin of committing fornication, with the sin of blasphemy. God puts it in the same list. Now, many of us, we, uh, you know, we all do this. We all, we all gripe and complain. We all, you know, things happen in life and we complain. God, puts the, God sees that just the same as idolatry, committing fornication, and blaspheming God. It's in the same list. Thus, don't do it. Don't be a griper. Don't be one that complains. That's the unknown purpose of God. We've seen the unfailing providence of God. God's been leading them all the way. He led them right to that bitter water. The unknown purposes of God, He's been testing them. He's been proving them. But thirdly and finally, I want you to see the unseen provision of God. The unseen provision of God. You see, God has brought them to this place of bitterness in order that He may bring them to a place of blessing. I want you to see how God used this incident to turn their bitterness into blessing. First of all, I want you to see how Moses responded to all of this. Look at verse number 25. Go back to Exodus 15. Look at verse number 25. And he, Moses, cried unto the Lord. Everybody else around, they're all in the same boat. They're all in the same shape. Everybody else is griping and complaining and rising up in arms. But Moses prays. Instead of griping and complaining about the situation, Moses goes to the Lord about the situation. He cried unto the Lord. Moses does the, does the very thing. He does the best thing that anybody could ever do in such a shape. He prayed. In such a situation, he prayed. While everybody else was complaining about the situation, Moses was praying about the situation. Too often, far too often, prayer is our last resort rather than our first resource. But Moses... When the things got hot, things got in trouble, things got uh, bitter, Moses prayed. But I want you to see not only how Moses responded, but I want you to see how God replied. And this is, the, this is the truth to the story. This is the crux to the story. See how God replied. Verse number 25. And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet... There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. What happened when Moses praised? God showed him the solution. Now you're going to discover in life, you're going to find yourself in those bitter places, and sometimes when you're in that bitter place, when you're in that difficult time, the only place you're going to find the solution is on your knees behind closed doors. Moses found himself in a difficult situation, and Moses cried out, unto the Lord. And Moses took that, God showed him the tree, and he said, Moses, cut down that tree and place it in the water. And the waters became clear, clear, the waters became sweet, and the children of Israel were able to drink of those waters, able to give those waters to their livestock, and they were able to survive. Now, as I thought about that story, I thought about 
that tree. What's the significance, if any, of that tree? What does that tree speak of? What does that tree represent? Well, I got every commentary that I could find and every writer that I, that I read indicated and alluded to the fact that that tree represents none other than the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the tree. And the truth uh, that this story is trying to tell us is that when we get to that place, we need to look to the tree. I like how one writer put it. He said, It speaks clearly and plainly about Calvary's love and the power of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. So no matter how bad the circumstance, no matter how bitter the waters, no matter how, things, how bad things are going, the love of God that is expressed and explained on the cross of Jesus Christ will sweeten any experience that you're going through in life. I like what one writer said, and I just want to read it to you. It just seemed to summarize the whole thing for me. This is what he said. When we come to a place where we don't understand what's happening, and everything... ...deserted you, they've gone away. Our children, they run from us, or even worse, they run from God. Or some other calamity happens. We come to a, that place, that terrible, bitter, horrible place, something we can't understand. Now we have a choice. At that time, we can begin to murmur and complain and criticize. And I like what he said. And we'll probably find somebody around us to criticize. It may be your pastor. It may be your parents. It may be your teacher, your boss, or somebody else. But really, what, we're do what we would be doing is criticizing God rather than going to God and seeing what he's trying to do. It's at that time, dear friend, if you are a Christian... Walking in the Spirit, God's going to bring you back to the cross and God's going to say, My child, no matter what is happening, this is how much I love you. No matter how bad it gets, you just look to the cross. There's power in Calvary. There's power in the blood of Jesus Christ over top of any suffering, over any grief, over any, over any death, hell, and all those things. Sometimes God's going to bring you to the point where you have nothing else to cling to but that cross. He's going to show you the cross, and he's not going to show you anything else. He's going to want to shut you up to where all you have is that tree. And when you get to that point where all you have is the cross, you'll find out that not only is the cross necessary, but it is enough to sweeten any bitter experience that you will face in your life. Look at verse number 27. Look what God did for them. After Moses put the tree down in that bara, those bitter waters, and God made them sweet again, now look what God does for them. Verse 27, And they came to Elam, where there were twelve wells of water and threescore and ten palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters. Twelve wells of water. I ask you, how many tribes are there in, in, in Israel? Twelve. Each one of them had their own well. And on top of that, they had 70 palm trees to give them shade in that time. How God provided for their needs. Now, at some point in your life, I promise you, if you're not there already, at some point in your life, and we all know, we know well, that we're going to come to that bitter experience. We're going to come to those difficult times. And when we get to that point, God's going to show you a tree. And God's going to show you that tree, and he's, you're going to learn that that tree is enough to sweeten whatever the experience that you're in. And you're going to learn not only is Jesus necessary, but he is enough if you don't have anything else. God wants to bring you to the point in your life where all you have is him. He wants to bring you to the point in your life where all you have is him. And when you come to that point, when you really and truly know that all you have in life is, is God, that's when you'll find out in life that God is all you need. 
I think of something that Vance Havner said one time, and I like what he said. He said, you will find when Jesus is all you have, he is all you need, and he is all you want. What a wonderful story. The unfailing providence of God. God was leading them all the way. The unknown purpose of God, he was testing them. He was proving them. And then the unseen provision of God. There was the tree, and there was the 12 springs of water. Thank God for his provision. Thank God for his provision. Take your prayer seat if you would. Let's, we want to go to the Lord in prayer in just a moment. We want to remember these things. We want to remember our missionary of the week and our church of the week. Our missionary of the week is uh, the Baltz family, missionaries to Japan with BIMI. We want to remember to pray for them tonight, the Baltz family. And then our church of the week, as I mentioned earlier, Brother Ken is in High Point, North Carolina with Brother Brock at Tabernacle Baptist Church. And their meeting, I think, is going through uh, Friday. Preachers, Brother Ken's finishing up tonight, and then Brother Sammy Burgess, I think, is going to be preaching tomorrow night and Friday. But let's remember that church and remember their meeting this week. They're our church of the week. And then the hospital list, Verna Gilbert in room 258 at Memorial, and Debbie Burke also at Memorial, and then Gertrude Hubbard at Siskins Hospital. But just before we go to the Lord in prayer, and I'll ask... Everybody, if you want to, whoever will, to come and gather around the altar. But I just wonder, is there anybody that has any request that you'd like the church to remember and to be praying for tonight? I just wonder, is anybody over here on this side? Brenda? Mm, that could be. All right, let's remember this request. Anybody else on this side over here? Pray for the Ammons. Going to North Carolina? Okay. Pray for the Ammons as they travel. And they'll be doing a lot of traveling in the next several months, I'm sure. So let's remember them. Good to have them tonight. Anybody else on this side? Brother Arlen? All right. Just remember Mr. Smith. Anybody else? Anybody else on this side? How about the center section? S-I-N-N-E-R. The center section here. No, I'm teasing. Okay. Let's... Okay. The son with cancer. Sharon? Okay. Remember Sharon's uncle, Bobby Doss. They sent him home from the hospital. Nothing else they can do for him, so let's pray for him. Anybody else in the middle? Anybody else have any prayer requests you'd like for us to remember? Okay, how about over here on my right-hand side? Yes, Jeff and Natalie, they're a blessing to our church. They've really been a joy to be around. I do pray for Natalie. Anybody else over here? Anybody have any requests? Yes. Okay. All right. Let's remember this request. Anybody else? Yes. Okay. All right. We'll remember that. Anybody else over here? Any requests anybody has? All right. Yeah, Arlen. All right. Okay. All right, well, let's just, everybody, let's just find us a place to pray. If you want to come around the altar, uh, you're, feel free to do that. Many who, trust many of you will, but wherever you feel most comfortable. With it, we want to go to the Lord in prayer. Remember, these requests that's been mentioned, these are on your prayer sheet. Especially remember our missionary of the week, the boss family, and then Tabernacle Baptist Church. Let's just ask God to touch in these areas and then our own 
church family in the hospital and remember all of these things. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Now ask Buddy Woody, if you would, to lead us in prayer and then I'll close. Stand in awe of you and see you move and work. And Lord, we're so unworthy and we're so thankful for all that you do. And Lord, we want to come to you tonight and we thank you for our missionaries that you allow us to support all around the world. We want to especially remember the Baltz family as they serve you in Japan. Lord, I pray that you would just touch them tonight. I pray that you would encourage them tonight. And I pray that you would renew their burden, renew their vision for where they are and for what you can do with them and through them there. And Lord, we don't know what their needs may be. And Lord, I pray that you just meet every need, every ministry need, every spiritual need, every physical need. Lord, I pray that you would just be very close to them tonight and, and, and use them there in a mighty, mighty way, Father. And Lord, we thank you for Tabernacle Baptist Church that's in High Point, North Carolina. We thank you for their pastor, Brother Todd Brock. We thank you for his ministry there. And Lord, we pray that this week as they have these meetings, and I pray that you would just intercede. I pray that you would intervene and you would show up on the scene there and you would be in the midst of that congregation and, and they would see you move and work. And Lord, I pray that real revival would hit that church. And Lord, we pray for our pastors. He's preaching. He may be preaching at this very moment. Lord, we pray that you would anoint him, fill him with your Holy Spirit and use him mightily. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you. And, and Lord, we thank of those in our church. Many, many needs represented here. Many were mentioned tonight. Many are in the hospital. Many that we've been praying for for many years to be saved where we continue to to lift up these and ask that you would just meet each need according to your perfect will father we do love you and and we thank you again for all the things that you've done for us thank you for your son jesus christ and lord i pray that you'll just help us as we go through life to please you in all things to be fruitful in every good work and lord i pray you'll help us not to be those that would grumble and complain about the things that that uh, you lead us to and sometimes you lead us into these areas to prove us to test us to strengthen us and lord help us just to trust you and help us to look to you because we know that you're a god that loves to bless your people 
Lord, help us to have a faith that can stand the test. And Father, we'll thank you and we'll praise you. Thank you for everyone that has come tonight. I pray you'll give them a, a very special blessing. I pray you'll, for the remainder of the week, Lord, I pray you'll help us to have a good testimony in the workplace and a good testimony in the neighborhood. And may people see Jesus in our lives. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's all stand our feet and we'll be dismissed. I do appreciate each and every one of you coming out tonight and for your attention. But uh, be much in prayer for the meeting that Brother Ken is in. He'll be driving home, I think, in the morning. So remember him and remember church Sunday morning, Sunday school at 945. God bless you. You are dismissed. <laughs>